I I want to speak to um, how many how many desire more of the presence of God. Uh, you know, sometimes we can just say that, but we can say, yeah, well, we're really thinking about whatever else we want to do in our life. You know, it's, it's not really all that important to us. Um, but I, you know, there, there's there's a move going on in in the the world. I believe right now that uh, of people. Uh, hungering and desiring for God, and, and really, that's the key. It's um, we're not waiting on God. My wife was talking about that. Sometimes we say, "Don't you want to just see God move? Don't you want to?" Like, like we're sitting around waiting for God, and God's sitting around waiting for us. You know, <laughs> He's waiting for us to. He's. He, and I was, you know, I was just talking to him. I said, "You know what, God, you, you, we have a promise for you that from you that you've already poured out your Spirit upon all flesh." That means your spirit's here yes. right now. Yes. <laughs> and so what makes the difference? And um, oh man, this is really going to be good because God is looking for some people that will look for him, <laughs> that will make a difference for everybody else. Uh, you know, it doesn't take a whole bunch of people and we don't have to be perfect. We, it, it, he, he takes imperfect people. Sometimes we're wanting to feel like we have to know so much and everything else. And really, we're just supposed to hunger and desire him with all that's within us and do something about it. So I'm going to talk about being carriers of the glory. Some, sometimes we want to, we, well, where is it taking place? I want to go watch it. God says, I want you to deliver it, not just watch it. I don't want you to, I don't want you to just experience it. I want you to be the one that's showing it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen? So we've already done this a little bit today, but uh, we're going to speak to what it takes for God's glory to be seen and for it to be revealed. And, and uh, um, we can either just wait till somebody else catches on fire or we can say, <laughs> I have the same access anybody else does and I'm going to access the presence of God. I'm not just going to sing a song about how much I love his presence. I'm going to love his presence. <laughs> it's really going to be me. Amen? So I'm just, I got a couple examples here because um, we're going to talk about carrying and delivering God. <laughs> it, 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 it's not on just some, you know, minister that's gone before us. You know, I was really encouraged, uh, you know, with this, this movie that just came about uh, out from the 70s that I actually, <laughs> I'm starting to date myself a little bit because I was, I was in that. Uh, we actually had, we experienced that in our hometown some, you know, young people just getting together. It, it wasn't a church organized thing. It was just not that that qualifies any at all. Um, but I, I was in the middle of that, and um, you know, this Jesus revolution thing that came out, and 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 the person that that initiated that was a very imperfect person. Very precious. I just saw some more stuff about that. You know, he fell, and and and, and sometimes we want to say, "Well, it's not legitimate." No, we're all in need of 
of redemption and an access to it all the time. And, but, but the encouragement part is we don't have to wait until there's some outside perfection. We've already been perfected on the inside. And we just go towards that with everything that's in us. Amen? So I've got a couple uh, illustrations here. I grew up in eastern Colorado. I was hoping JT would show up because we were talking, we were swapping stories about being paper out, having a paper out as a, as a kid. And I did. Um, Eastern Colorado, man, this is wintertime and everything else, and, and uh, Sunday mornings <laughs> before church, you know, <laughs> of course, we did that quite a bit, too. Um, but this is me, Eastern Colorado, uh, had a bicycle. I think I, think I, I had the one that, the, those bags that you put on, you know, where they're on the front and the back both, you know, and you wrap up the papers and you put them in there, and, and I had to go clear on the other side of town. And uh, there were two papers, I, and I believe mine was the Denver Post. There's the Rocky Mountain News and the Denver Post. Um, but I, I delivered. I was a carrier. I carried the newspaper. I wasn't the newspaper. I carried the newspaper. <laughs> they had been around a long time before I showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I was, I was carrying the newspaper. And I was just a little boy. There wasn't much to me. Well, there was a whole bunch to me, but, but I'm just a simple little boy. And yet, you can't just say, well, you're a carrier. You can just do whatever you want to. No, there was some expectations. They needed to be done by a certain time. I couldn't just look like anything. I couldn't drag my bag through the mud. You know, I, there's a certain amount of quality that was required to be a paper out carrier. <laughs> right? Because it, it wasn't my identity that was important. It was the newspaper. The thing I was carrying was what was important. Okay? <laughs> There's another carrier <laughs> that we've experienced in recent years. It's, it's when you can become contagious because you're carrying something, right? You might not even be sick, but you're carrying it. You can actually become immune to what you're carrying. <laughs> and the only way that thing becomes viral is when you get, when you throw social distancing to the wind. You just <laughs> say, I'm getting in your space. And that's what they try to make us afraid of everything. You know, it's like, well, you can't get close to somebody cause, because you're you're a carrier. But there's some truth to that. To be an effective carrier of a virus, you need to get close to somebody. You can't be all alone. <laughs> all right, that's enough of that, huh? So I want to go back, though, and I want to look at, because... It's wonderful to behold the glory, but there's a purpose in beholding the glory. Yes. It's not to just observe. And we're going to see what's necessary for it to be more of just more than just observation. There's going to be some things that need to take place in us in our approach to it and and I shouldn't say it to him <laughs> to, to the presence of God. He's he's very real. He's he's 
He's way bigger than we can imagine right now. And sometimes we can just take him for granted, put him in the little box of everything else that we already know, and, and, and not ever let him become this amazing God that he really is, that he wants to be. And, you know, um, it, it's, it's, very, it's, it's not about what we can do. It's not what we can bring, but it is about what we see. And it's very important to desire that and to go after it. So, Let's pray. Father, we, we are amazed right now. God, when you, when you help us with this, <laughs> to realize that we're not just having church here today, but we're in the presence of the great I am. That to actually be aware and to to have your tangible presence, we wouldn't even be able to stand up. We, you are, you're awesome. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have words to explain how great you are. And Lord, you know, I was, I was just thinking how, how, how amazing it is that in your greatness, you still give us access to who you are. You still make a way for us, and especially by the blood of Jesus, you've removed the junk from us that keeps us from coming boldly to you, and, and we can today, and Lord, we desire to do that. We, we need help. We need help in knowing you, in valuing and honoring you for who you are, and for letting that revelation not just be something outside of us, but for it to be a burning ember inside that just that gets stronger and stronger. So we, we, we come boldly to your throne right now and, and we need some help. And, and, and we admit that. We come humbly and we say, God, help us with this. We, we, we're grateful for where we've come, but God, we want you to take us further. We want, we want to know you. And we want to share you. Help us to do be to be more effective with it, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So I want to look at, at Moses. You know, Moses is really the one that that gives us some really good examples. Um, and and he, he's an example in in a way that uh, that really is the crux of what I want to get to today. Um, that his encounter with the, with the presence and the glory of God was critical for the survival of a whole nation. And, and, and sometimes we want to just uh, be a part of something and we don't realize that we're critical for something. God wants to use us for something. Amen? So, remember they get into the, into the wilderness and the children of Israel... Uh, uh, Moses goes up to the mountain. He, he takes a couple tablets with him. He goes up onto the mountain. Um, and in that process, in that time, the, the children of Israel decide that maybe he's not coming back because he's up there quite a while, right? So they decide to go ahead and start uh, building a calf and worshiping because there's this, this need for people to worship things. People in the world right now are worshiping things. 
They're worshiping identities and they're worshiping all kinds of junk right now, right? <clears throat> so, so anyway, he comes down and he discovers that they've been doing this, that they've been, they brought all these trinkets together. They've been acting like the world. They've been, <laughs> they've been really heathens. And he comes down and begins to reprimand them. And God actually says this, if I were there, they would all be dead. Sometimes we don't want God to be around. <laughs> He's a consuming fire. He doesn't put up with junk. And how much of the time, even in church, we can be acting like it's God's presence and we are entertaining other stuff that we better hope God's presence isn't. <laughs> Just to fit into this story a little bit, right? How much do we actually want the presence of God? Because it's a most holy presence. He doesn't put up with anything. And he sent his son to make it possible that we don't have to carry anything. But we have to access that, right? So anyway, <laughs> he comes down into the camp and the children of Israel are, are, are in fear now because he starts telling them that God says that they are a stiff-necked people. We don't use that word a whole lot. We use, we've come up with other words to describe people, I guess. But, but, but what he's telling them is that God does not like them right now. And they, they take off all this junk that they've been putting on, looking like the world, and they begin to fear God. And, and, and Moses goes in, he puts a tabernacle up, and he goes in, he's going to meet with God, and the glory of God actually comes down in a cloud. And when he goes into the, into the tabernacle, it, it hovers outside the door while he goes in. He actually talks to God. And the whole time he's in there, the people are in fear. They're bowing down. They're worshiping just by observing him. They're just watching him because there's somebody that's seeing God. So Moses has a great understanding that unless the presence of God is with them, observable, <laughs> is, is really clearly with them, that they're not going to be able to make it. This is very critical. This is a very critical point to understand that, that we have to have the presence of God, the glory of God. That's when we see what God calls the glory. Because sometimes we want to just say, it's like somebody had a picture of, of their sanctuary and there was like a little mist there and they said, this is what we saw. In our sort of, maybe, but it's going to be more than just a mist. <laughs> right? I, I, I desire whatever God wants to do, but, but I want the results of what he wants to do. I want, I want where it's, it needs to take us. Amen? So, so God meets him in the tabernacle and says, I need you to go back up. You messed up the, the tablets. You broke them. <laughs> so, so you need to go back up. And this is when he gets, man, he gets a full experience. And he says, God, I, I'm going to need to behold you. 
There was an understanding for, for, for Moses that it's not enough to just hear God in a bush. I'm going to need to see you. I'm going to need to be affected by what I see. <laughs> it's got to be more than what I've had so far. He'd already been up there with God before. God had already given him the Ten Commandments. He goes up there again. But he has a different perspective this time. And he says, God, I really need to behold your glory. Now watch what happens. Exodus 33, 18. How does God's presence and glory appear? So God is talking here. Well, Moses is talking first, but God replies to him. Moses says, please show me your glory. And then God said, I will make what? My goodness. So what in God's perspective is his glory? It's everything about who he is. Right? You can't just say, oh, God and me, we have our own thing going. No. (laughs) No. When you encounter God, you're going to get who he is, not who you think he is, who you think you need him to be. He's going to be everything and more. Right? He says, I'm going to make my goodness to pass before you, and I will proclaim, listen to this. He's talking third person here. I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. You know, I was thinking about this. What? Why does God have to say all this stuff? Couldn't he just say, okay, you get to see my glory? Well, he says, Later, he says, you're not going to get to see my face. You're just going to see me as I pass by. But what, how does he describe himself? And what's the significance of God saying this? Because there's, a, there's an importance in the proclamation of who God is, so much so that God does it about himself. He <laughs> said, I'd like to show you how to praise me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and understand that when I'm doing this, this isn't just... A, a religious act, it's a spiritual encounter. What happens when we, when we proclaim God's goodness, his name? Man, we, we did a, a teaching recently on, on the name of God. It's, it's actually who he is. It's his presence. It's his ascendance. It's, it's his greatness. And he's saying this about himself. He says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. <clears throat> then let's go down to, to the next chapter. <clears throat> and, and God says, okay. And then he goes to the next chapter, and, this, and he actually goes up there. He actually ascends to the mountain. In the proclaiming of his name, mercy, goodness, and judgment... Exodus 34, 5. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. Isn't that weird? God called out his own name. There's something about the proclamation of his name that God even did it. He said, I'm going to appear before a man 
I'm going to say my name. Wow. There needs to be this honoring of his name. Amen. The Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. What has been the problem right now recently? <laughs> he was pretty angry at the children of Israel. They're worshiping another God. What does he declare about himself? Now, he starts off with this. And this is very important to understand that he's a God of mercy, compassion, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he's not done. So let's start off with how loving I am. Let's start off with how merciful I am, how long-suffering I am, because I am also. And this is where... This is where the love of God needs to be understood, that he's also a judgment God. And you're not going to get real serious about him until there's a side of him you don't ever want to see. He's proclaiming this about himself. He says, I'm merciful, I love people, I, I, I want to I restore people, but I do not excuse the guilty. This is why Jesus had to come. It's because this is who God is, right? I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. Not only do I hold this against you, but against your children, against your grandchildren. This, is, this becomes a, a uh, historic, <laughs> right, okay. <clears throat> to the fourth generation, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. This is what you do before God. It's not enough to just have these, these wonderful feelings about God. There needs to be a fear of him that causes you to say, I'm turning from anything that would keep me from being accepted by you. What precedes every move of God is people turning from other gods. And there will be no legitimate beholding <laughs> I mean, you might see some evidence. You might see something else happening. But you're not going to see him. Amen? So he says, I'm a God of judgment. I don't put up with the guilty. So this is a critical thing. So, so he declares who he is. Very important, if we're going to behold, what are we beholding when we see his, see God? We're going to see his goodness, we're going to see his mercy, but we're also going to see his judgment. That's what Moses got when he said, I have to behold your glory. This is the glory that went with the children of Israel that caused them to triumph over their enemies. Amen? So, I, I just want to look at this though, because... This is the God that we're beholding. Now, he, he will receive us. He will restore us. He, he has redeemed us by the blood of Jesus already. But there is no option. This is not an optional thing. You can say, well, that's kind of nice. I think I'll try it.
And the legitimacy of our commitment to him will be in how often we return to him. If we keep coming back to him, we will fail. We'll, we'll do things that are wrong. But how, how, sure, how, how much does it grip our heart when we fail? Does it even mean anything? Because he's a God of judgment. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 30, and 31. Of things to be feared, the greatest is the judgment of God. So if we're going to behold God, we need to behold all of God. Not just the stuff we want. Amen? And this will bring repentance. You know, there, there's, there's a discounting of repentance because of grace. Grace enables you to repent. <laughs> grace takes care of what you've done in the past and what is repentance? It's a redirection towards something that's right. So what grace does is empowers you to, to make that change. It doesn't disable it or make it like you don't have to do that anymore. It says by the blood of Jesus, now you have by grace the ability to choose what is right. Because God really does care. He can't, you know what he called it, if you go back and look at Exodus, he said, and if you don't follow after me, he called it a whoring. You're going to go a whoring after other gods. What is that? Where you're just following whatever you feel like doing, watching whatever you want to watch, participating, saying whatever you want to say, because it's covered by something, I guess. But no, God says, if you're going to behold me, it's going to change who you are. It's going to cleanse you. It's going to make you right, okay? So, for we know him who said, I have the right to take revenge and pay them back for their evil. <laughs> and also, the Lord God will judge his own people. It is the most terrifying thing of all to come under the judgment of the living God. Uh, that, that's New Testament. <laughs> that's, that's us. Amen? So this is serious business beholding God, the glory of God. It's, it's, not, it's not just something we, we, we want to just... No, it will change who we are. Now, what happened with, with, with Moses? <laughs> you know, you can read. This is the amazing thing about the Bible. We, we just have a really small part of what's happened. We just get a glimpse into this. Because Moses was up on that mountain 40 days and 40 nights without any food, without any water. And here's part of what is a necessity in actually having the effect of behold. So, these, these renewal times that are taking place, what, what actually makes them possible? I'd just like to point out that they're not done in two hours. Part of what makes, you know, they say, oh, something's really happening because they stay all night. Well, maybe staying all night is why it's happening. You know, 
The longer you look at the glory of the God, the more it will do to you. If you want to have an experience in God's glory, just look at him for a while. Just don't give up because your tummy's hungry. Amen? <laughs> Did I hear a tummy growl? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry that was too prophetic, wasn't it? <laughs> so, so Moses was up there for 40 days, 40 nights. And what happened when he came down off the mountain? He didn't even know what had happened to him. But he came down and he looked completely different. He was scary. He said, you're going to have to put a veil over you, Moses. You're too bright. <laughs> this is what happens to somebody that beholds the glory of God. It changes how they look. It changes their appearance. But why? Just so you can say, well, look at Moses, how, how wonderful he is. He's been looking at God. No, he came down so he could change a nation, so he could lead a nation, and said so that a whole people could know God because he's been beholding God. And this is what I, I want to challenge us with at this time. Is this about us or is it about somebody else through us? That my beholding of God is not about me. As long as it's about me, I'm missing it. And I'm never going to get it. Amen? He says, behold me. So you will become a reflection of me. And so now, somebody that needs to see God's glory. How will they see it? By somebody who's carrying it. Amen? It's not about me. It's about what I'm carrying. And it becomes very critical that I take this seriously. Amen? I know we got a lot of other stuff going on. We got families. We got, we got animals to take care of. You know, We got, we got things going on. But, but we got time for what we want. We will do what we want to do. And it will be revealed whether we really want God or not by how much we actually behold him. All right. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy. Again, I don't, I don't want to just be, and, and I, I'm, I'm taking this personal, but I, let, let's challenge each other. Let's challenge ourselves. That I'm going to be a part of what God wants to do right now. And, it's, it, and, I, and I can't just be an observer. I'm going to have to be a carrier. I'm going to have to be, I'm going to be a delivery boy. I'm going to, I'm going to be, <laughs> when, when you show me, I'm going to, I'm going to be somebody that's, that's it, it, it's what I am. It, it, you, I'm going to have to cover my face because I've been beholding God and people are getting nervous. All right. 2 Timothy 2.20, in a wealthy home there are dishes made of gold and silver as well as some made from wood and clay. The expensive dishes are used for guests and the cheap ones are used in the kitchen or to put garbage in. If you stay away from sin, you'll be like one of these dishes made of purest gold 
very best in the house so that Christ himself can use you for his highest purposes. To be a carrier of the glory, you have to represent what's inside. It's going to need to be clean. <laughs> That's kind of like, you know, taking a, a, a pitcher um, to the table to pour drinks with. It's got a bunch of stains on the inside of you. Say, it's okay. It's not in the water. It's just, it's just the <laughs> container. What do people do to that? They, they, they don't partake of it, do they? Why? Because what you're representing is not in the right kind of container. Amen? I had this example, too. I don't know if it correlates really well, but it's, it's really important to wear what you're selling. Selling. It's like, uh, I was just thinking about, you know, we got a tennis shoes guy here. Those are pretty fetching there. And... Uh, but if, if like you're a sport, if you're a, a shoe salesman, you know, and you're selling Converse shoes, you don't be wearing Nikes, do you? Okay, well, <laughs> Reeboks, whatever. <laughs> this is one thing I, I've, I've taken some sales things. They say you have to own what you're selling. You have to wear it. You have to. You can't sell the glory of God if you're not wearing it, if it's not who you are. Amen? If your container is looking like the world, <laughs> and the only thing that makes us not like the world is what we have in the love and the blood of Jesus, but we better be applying it. We better be looking at what we have as if it's real. Amen? Because it will do something to the way we look. <laughs> to carry, we're going to have to be a container that's been affected. I'm so glad that we don't have to do all the cleaning. You know, we do. We have to choose it. It'll have to be something that we're, we're saying, God, I'm going to choose your presence right now. It's the answer. You know, Hunter was talking about breaking off chains. You know what? This is what happens when we behold his glory. Yes. Chains are broken. Yes. Amen? The anointing, that life that we have in him, it will break off those yokes. And, and we won't be held by those things anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this revelation is sometimes the most precious when you're the most discouraged, when you're the most overwhelmed. And, but it's the answer. God wants to take you out of that thing by, by what you're looking at. He says, just look at me. But when you look at me, see goodness, see mercy, see favor, everything about my name. But please include judgment in there. Because you need to change what you're choosing. Until you change the God that you're choosing... You cannot behold the one you need to see. Amen? All right. Let's go to John 16. The working of the Spirit is to reveal the glory in and through our vessels. So, um, so 
I'm so grateful that, that we have the Holy Spirit that helps us with this. What we're talking about is a spiritual thing, isn't it? If we're just, uh, anybody ever seen God? I've never actually seen him with my eyes. I, I'm not, you know, with my natural eyes. What we're seeing is, we're talking about beholding. It's going to be a spiritual thing, isn't it? It's going to be eyes of the Spirit. Whoa. <laughs> but we have a Holy Spirit to help us see. The reason for the Holy Spirit coming is so we can behold the glory of God. So this isn't something that you just preach to anybody. You can't just, unless you have this in your heart, it's not going to make any sense at all, right? But we're talking to the choir here, aren't we? When we talk about this, man, this, this should ignite a fire inside. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's what, I, that's what I believe. And what it does is it awakens the Holy Spirit inside to say, oh, I hunger for that more. Holy Spirit, help me with that. Amen? When the Holy Spirit, Jesus is talking, because he knows this is going to be an issue. You're going to need to be beholding me. It's, it's just like Moses. You know what? I mean, we could just say this before God right now. We could say, God, if you don't go with me, I can't do this. In fact, we need to really say that. We can say, it's not about how good looking I am, how smart I am, how much money I am, what I can do. No, it's about me knowing that you're there, seeing that you're there, experiencing your presence all the time. If this doesn't happen, God, I'm not going to play being a Christian. Amen? And so Jesus sent his spirit. There's a reason for his Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we pray in the Holy Ghost. There's a reason, but in, we need to be going somewhere when we do. We don't need to be praying in the Holy Ghost, meditating on problems. You know what I mean? The reason for the, the, the Holy Spirit is to expose the glory of God, the goodness of God, what we already have in him that's more real than anything we can see with our natural eye. When the Holy Spirit, who is truth, comes, he shall guide you into all truth. What does the enemy come to do? He comes to tell us lies and to put a veil over our eyes so we can't see what's real. Man, if we could just see how great God is right now in this room, if we could just behold that, that's why we close our eyes, right? So we quit seeing other stuff, so that we can actually see by the Spirit. Amen? For he will not be presenting his own ideas, but will be passing on to you what he has heard. He will tell you about the, spirit, uh, the future. He shall praise me. That sounds kind of like God talking about himself right before he's going to show his glory to Moses, right? He's going to praise me. He's going to, is, is he going to make a big deal about issues that haven't been taken care of yet by the blood of Jesus? No. He's going to be praising what's already been done, how great God already is, right? And bring me great honor by doing what? Showing you my glory, my presence, who I am. Amen? He said, I'm going to be with you all the time. The Spirit is, but are we looking? 
you know, the spirit can be here. We not even give him a nod, you know. Or we can get used to looking that direction with a longing for something in this earth. Holy Spirit, Spirit, please take care of something in this earth for me. He said, I want to take you above this stuff. I want you to see how great God really is. Amen? All right. I've just got a little bit more. and then Can we just worship him just a little before we go? We've already done this today. It's been wonderful. I just want to, I, I, God, just show us how to, to, to see you, to entertain your presence. Because you know what? This, is, this, is, this doesn't happen right away. It, 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 we, have to, we have to stay here for a while. We have to maintain a pursuit of God. Uh, again, that's why these movements are called movements is because people don't move from that place. And God's allowed to move where, we'll, where we're not moving. <laughs> oh, that just came all right. That was kind of good anyway. All right. As our focus is adjusted, his glory is revealed to those in need. So, and this is really, this is really where our, our purpose and our passion needs to be. That the more you behold Jesus, the more you behold his glory, the more you're liberated from self-consciousness to purpose consciousness. That, that you're taken to a place of, my life is, is going to get its greatest fulfillment in reflecting to somebody else what I'm beholding rather than trying to put some kind of blessing upon me by this beholding. I know this isn't really popular. I mean, it's, you know, people want to say, how can, I, how can I use God to get stuff, you know? And, and, and God's, you can't miss that. He will, he, it will follow you. You won't be able to keep it from coming. But man, what a cheap thing to have only that. When God says, I, I want you to look like me. I want you to show yeah. other people me. That's what Moses did when he came down off the mountain. He said, because I beheld God, now you get to see him. And you get to be changed by him. So 2 Corinthians 4.15. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvelous grace will spread to more and more people. This is the purpose. What the world needs right now is a move of God. What God right needs right now is carriers of that move. <laughs> he needs somebody that's going to say, my vessel needs to be cleansed so that what I'm carrying, how precious it is, will not reflect something other than what it is. <clears throat> resulting in an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. So no wonder, and, and I, let's be encouraged in this today. There's always going to be a pull on our soul to diminish the magnitude of God's glory in our life right now and to feel like something else has to happen to change that and to get caught up in feeling sorry for ourselves about anything. So no wonder we don't give up. For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is, re is renewed every single day. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. 
We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Isn't this weird? <laughs> All this seen, unseen, focus, not focus. Where does that come? It comes by the Spirit. That's why there needs to be a, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to be led by the Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Those that are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God. And they're able to behold. They're able to see. They're able to be fixed on things that keep them from being strung down, shackled by things that are temporary and liberated to affect the things that are temporary by a beholding of things that are eternal. Amen? God desires that for us. Amen? I'd like to just, I've got a little song that I, that I, I wrote. I just did a, I did a video. You don't, don't put the video up there, but just, just, just play the song. <laughs> it talks about let, let it be that, that God is seen. This is where we need to get. Not so much about me just beholding God, but me becoming a carrier of that beholding. Does that make sense? That there's a purpose in my beholding of him. It's to get my, <clears throat> my paper bag filled up with things that I'm going to deliver. Amen? That I'm a carrier of God's glory. Let it be that, that God is seen in me. Let the revival begin with me. <laughs> Amen? All it takes is one person that says, I'm no longer going to be just a beholder. I'm going to be a carrier. Somebody's going to see God in me. It, it makes you step out of your house with a different look on your face. Amen? Your soul can't be downcast because your face is upcast. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's hard to hang your head when you're beholding the glory of God. And it's, it's hard for somebody to not see God because you've been looking at him. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And what a fulfilling thing. Jesus came, laid down his life. He always kept his eyes on his prize. <laughs> I got a card with a dog <laughs> catching a ball. Said, Keep your eye on the prize. So I'm sorry that just, uh, came to mind. But God wants us to do that. He wants to keep our eyes on the things that are above and not below. With a purpose. Oh, he has this for us. Amen. Let's just look.